It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, glad you could join us again today on uh, Caught on Tape. Today we have a, a repeat guest, but a very special guest, Caleb Quake. Stated by a gentleman named Eric Clapton to be the greatest guitar player in the world, but also one of my uh, greatest friends, and I'm excited to get him on the air. You know, Caleb, this is kind of an ad hoc show at this moment. I was planning on having you a little further down the sequence, but I I went and left some of my tapes at Starbucks, and (laughs) I don't have time to go back and get them, so you have moved into the priorities pocket. Oh gosh! Okay, you are are not only number one; you are the savior of the day for the show this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you tell me about your project you just finished because I want to give our listeners an update on that because you're working on a a pretty important piece, really, in the uh, history of music and worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, you know we've been. uh, It's taken me eight years to do this. working on this uh, documentary about my life and my involvement with Elton John and everything. So um, uh, not only is it the story of my life, but um, it's also the first, it's the only first-person account of the beginnings of Elton John's career. Okay. So, uh, you know, we knew each other as teenagers, and I was actually the guy that got him and Bernie Torp in their first recording contracts and publishing contracts with Dick James Music. And actually, I was the guy that helped him come up with the name Elton John. Are you serious? So very, How yeah, did you, tell me about yeah. that. Tell me about that. How did it come well, up? Well, you know, I, yeah, I was his first producer. We got him signed to the company, and I was his first producer. So we were getting ready to release his first single back in England. And... Uh, of course, his real name was Red Dwight. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning there, so we were getting ready to do, release the first single, and we thought, you know, we need to change that name because Red Dwight's just not going <laughs> to cut it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, there used to be an, an, an English uh, uh, bicycle champion, you know. His name was Reg Harris. We all grew up with him as kids, you know. Uh-huh. And so I used, I used to tell him, I said, Reg, we've got to change the name because it just sounds too much like Reg Harris. They're going to think you're going to be riding a 10-speed or something. <laughs> you know, it's just not sure. cool, you know. Sure. So at the time, we were, the two of us were playing in uh, in this band called Bluesology, and we were back in this singer called Long John Baldry, who had just had a number one hit over there. So um, we're in and out of the studio, either on the road or in the studio. One time we were in an airport shuttle bus, and we'd had about, you know, it was like about a week, two weeks before the the single was going to be released. And we're in the bus, and he's writing down names. We're in a panic, you know, he's scribbling down names. And we had a, a saxophone player in the band whose name was Elton Dean. And then there was John Baldry. And so he's got these two names. He says, I like John's name. And I like Elton's name. What do you think of this? And he'd written John Elton. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? Let's switch it to Elton John. I think that'll work. <laughs> and the, and the rest, good. as they say, is yeah. history. So yeah. the movie, what's going to be the core of, of the movie? 
Well, you know, outside of the outside of the whole, you know, music history uh, side of things and his career and everything, it strongly addresses the issue of father and son. Okay. And about we're all driven by something, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I was driven by hatred for my father. I hated my father because of, of what his alcoholism and all the hell he'd wreaked in our family, a lot mm-hmm. of damage in our family. And so for me, you know, music was my, you know, up until I came to Christ, you know, music was my salvation. Because, uh, you know, a C chord doesn't, it doesn't change. It's always a C chord. Everything else in the world was, it was in turbulence, you know. Mm-hmm. But I could go to the piano or go to my guitar. I could go to music, and it was like, it was the only anchor point that I knew in life at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the movie really, really talks, you know, there's interviews with my mother, who lives with us. She's now 100 years old. And uh, we interviewed her when she was 95 years old, like five years ago, Mm. and uh, when she was still, you know, up to it. And so um, there's a lot of stuff between father and son and this amazing, you know, very unusual relationship I had with my dad. And he he left us when I was 12 years old. I didn't see him again for another eight years till I was like 20, 22 Mm. years old. And then... Uh, in a vain effort to try and establish some kind of relationship, I started doing drugs with him, you know, and hmm. stuff like that, and listening to music, you know. He was a famous musician was all, too, wasn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he was a well-known musician in England and, and Europe and stuff, and with all the jazz greats. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, I think like any young kid, I wanted a relationship with my father, but it was just very weird. So I left, I left England in 1974, and the last conversation I had with my dad, I asked him, I said, do you believe in life after death? And he said, nah, it's all ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And I said to him, I said, you know what, I think you're wrong, and I'm going to find out. So that was the last conversation I had with him uh, in 1974. I moved, moved over here. I'm touring with Elton John, Hall and Oates. I'm, you know, top of the tree in the music business. I'm drugged out of my mind. And in 1982, I come to Christ. It's amazing. Yesterday was Easter Day, you know, and I was in church sitting in the worship, just crying in the worship because I just remembered, I thought, you know, 37 years ago today, I made the best decision I ever made in my life. I gave my heart to Jesus. And if, if I hadn't done that, I'd have been a dead man. No question oh, yeah. about it, you know. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's the greatest decision I've never, you know, decision you never, we never regret, you know. So um, I left in, in 82, I came to Christ, you know, got radically turned around, went into ministry. In 1984, I'm a worship pastor out, out here in Pasadena, California. I'm on staff with the church there. And I get a phone call from, uh, you know, the secretary answers the phone. I got this guy on the phone. She said, there's somebody on the phone from Amsterdam wants to talk to you. I pick up the phone, and it's my dad. He'd moved to Amsterdam. So this is now, this is 10 years, 74 to 84. Yeah, we hadn't seen each other, hadn't spoke. 10 years. Now, I'd written him a letter shortly after I got married again, 
told him I'd become a Christian, told him I'd forgiven him for everything, forgiven him for all the hell he put our family through, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, sent the letter off and never expected a reply. <laughs> and he's on the phone. <laughs> he's on the phone there. And the first thing he says to me, he says, I know what you're doing. He said, uh, and I just want you to know, he said, I got your letter and I'm proud of you. And I thought, what? What? This is unbelievable. <laughs> so um, I asked him, I said, I, I said, so how can I help you? What's this phone call about? He said, um, I thought I'd call you to ask for your advice. And I'm thinking, what in the world? And now, now you have to understand, back when I was a kid, you know, me and my sisters, we, we used to refer to my dad as the monster. Oh, he'd okay. get drunk. And, okay. Yeah, so now, yeah. now I've got the monster on the phone. Yeah. I've got the monster on the phone wow. telling me he's proud of me, asking wow. me for my advice. You know? Amazing. And so I said, well, what, how can I help you? So he said, well, I've got cancer, and so I thought I'd call you and ask for your advice. Wow. And right then, right then, the Holy Spirit is in my room next to me, telling me, says to me, tell him now. And I knew what he meant, you know. Uh-huh. And so, so I said, I said, okay, I said, do you have a Bible? Or do you by any chance have a Bible? He says, yes, I do. And I'm thinking, wow, the monster has a Bible. This is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I led him to, I took him to Romans, and I led him to Christ over the phone. Beautiful. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yes, I do. Okay, let me pray for. So we're both crying on the phone. Beautiful, you know. And he says, uh, he says, you know what? He says, I've got to go back to the doctors. They want to take some X-rays to see what they're going to do. I said, okay, you do that. I'll have the church pray and get back to me. Okay, he gets back to me in the following week. He says, I've got good news. The doctor said, Mister Quay, something is happening. The cancer stopped spreading. We think mm. we can get it out mm. by surgery. So he opted for surgery. They got the cancer out, and he, he was fine. So he says, you know what? After he recovered, he says, I need to come and speak to you. I said, well, that's fine. I mean, you're always forgiven. You're fine. You know, <laughs> he says, no, I yeah. need to come and, and clean the slate with you. Wow. Said, okay. So him and his family, they bought a ticket and sent him over, and he spent a month with me and my family over here. In uh, and this is in uh, was in 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 September of um, '94. Wow! So we went on a little vacation. A friend of ours had a cabin up in Big Bear Mountain, so we went up there for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and we had the greatest time. He had all kinds of questions about the church and the Bible, mm-hmm. and I was I was able to answer his questions. And at the end of that that little vacation, when we came down the hill, I said, Dad. I said, would you like to get baptized? He says, yes, I would. Wow. So I had the grand privilege of baptizing my father, the monster, baptizing him. Isn't that amazing? Yep. Powerful. You God know, allowed, I, I think there's some God people listening. Six more years, yeah. Caleb, I think there's some people listening that, that that's giving them some hope. I hope I mean, so, just yeah. imagine, yeah. I, I think there are yeah. awful lot of people of some uh, parents that are messed up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, I think it's a huge epidemic. This whole story is in the movie. What I what I just told uh-huh. you, it's in the movie. And I think the whole fatherlessness of our culture is epidemic. It, it's mm-hmm. it's just incredible. It's responsible for so much damage. Yeah. But the good news of the gospel is that we have a father in our heavenly father who understood 
our brokenness so much, and it's always amazed me that he could he never sent an attorney or or he never sent a politician, he never sent a philosopher, he sent his only son, yeah to fix that damage, to yeah. restore that relationship with the, with our Heavenly Father. Yeah. I, I and s- so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No. I well, I was going to say, the, the only way, you know, the only way, from my experience, that any kind of relationship could have, could have been restored was through coming to know my Heavenly Father first, put Him first, Mm -hmm. and put His Son first. Because I came to realize something, and it's it's what I call the centerpiece of Christ's words that He spoke on the cross. It's the issue of forgiveness. It's, Father, forgive them, because they didn't know what they were doing. And I came to realize that my dad didn't know what he was doing, because Mm. he was working through his own damage. Mm Mm-hmm. He was damaged. He had been raised by a foster, a stepfather, who treated him brutally. I didn't know this until shortly before he passed away. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. So did, did he and receive my, Christ? It, did your father receive Christ? Oh, yes, he did. he did. Yes, he Beautiful. did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how did yeah. that process out? It was a dramatic change? Uh... For him, it was, it was somewhat tough. He, couldn't, he found he couldn't give up smoking. Yeah, but we we you know, but we had we we uh, he was he got into the Bible, and he was it was funny he was he was trying to tell you know his family over there in Amsterdam, and they're all into New Age and hypnotism and everything. But he he used to tell me he says I'm trying to tell these people, you know what this is about. He says it's like pushing water uphill, but he he stuck to the faith. He stuck to Jesus. And do you know what? Oh, you know what? On his deathbed, wow. his, his wife told me this. When he was on his deathbed, he forgave his stepfather, mm. who he had hated all his life. Mm. On his, he forgave him, handed him over to Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So beautiful. God, God gave, God allowed him six more years to live on this earth as a Christian, as a believer. Wow. And then wow. before we took him home. God yeah. did a remarkable thing through your family, which he does do that. You know, I've noticed over the yes, years he does. that, yeah. uh, you know, when I, when I received Christ, uh, I was, I was not the best son in the world. And uh-huh. when I received Christ, nearly my entire family received the Lord. I think we calculated That's like great. 15 people immediately. Wow. Receive wow. the Lord because of the transformation. Seems like same thing happened with you, and I would think that's yeah. kind of some hope for some listeners maybe listening too. That, that sure God so. tends yeah. to save families, doesn't He? If you read even the New yeah. Testament, He he, right. he came into families. So for some today, I, w- I want to throw out a a little point of I think from what you're sharing here's a little bit of a a little bit of a inertia for us to find hope. Say, hey, my family can look like Caleb. Right. So yeah. grab hold of that if you're listening today. Hey, Caleb, I want you to do something with me here. We've got yeah. like 10, 15 minutes. I, I want to, I to the next two shows, I was planning on taking six points that mm-hmm. have to do with thinking like a Christian. Mm. Can you hang on and just uh, maybe sure. chime yeah. in a little bit on, on a couple of those points? We've got, a, we've got sure. some minutes left here. And okay. so I, I've, I've think 
being a Christian requires a certain kind of thinking to a great extent. Uh, Paul will talk about be transformed by in Romans twelve one the renewing of your yeah. mind. I I don't know yeah. if you found that out, but uh, I I continue to find that that's a big part of the kind of stuff we're talking about is a, not just a new way of behaving, but right. it starts with a new way of thinking. Right. By right. Uh, the, the powerful word that Paul used, renewing of the mind, literally means to reconstruct the darn thing, to to yeah. reshape it, to retool yeah. it. it. It doesn't mean yeah. that people who don't know Christ don't have good brains, but it does mean right. that there uh, can be a divine touch on the way you think that does powerful things. And I, I've got the next two weeks, yeah. I've got like three points I was going to share with people that have to do with having a Christian thinking. And, and uh, mm. the, the first one I had here was I found in learning to think like a Christian and experience like you just described <clears throat> mm. is initially, don't you, I, you go through a phrase where you're killing the lies that you've believed. Yeah. And every yeah. culture has its big lies, and I think every person has has a lie as well. You know, and, and John chapter 844 yeah. says that Satan is called the father of lies. And I right. I've watched over the years in helping people, and I've tried to get some skill at helping people identify the big lies they believe mm-hmm. that the enemy is somehow, you know, giving them a lie that's going to shape their life. I had a, a friend who was a, a lifelong criminal uh, guy. I think he'd spent 20 mm-hmm. of his first 35 years in prison. And mm-hmm. I wrote his life story and I asked him, I said, now wh- when did this happen? And he said, well, my father used to tell me, I was no good, and I was never going to amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> How many yeah. Had uh, people tell you that? And, oh, yeah. And I said, so tell me. I was intrigued. So I said, tell me more about that. And he actually mm-hmm. became a mafia guy. He was a mafia. Wow. Uh, actually, hit yeah. him, and Boy. and uh, had been in prison, and and God had touched his life. And he said, I became dangerous when I believed that lie. Mm. You're no yeah. good, and you're never going to amount to anything. There you go. That's and, right. And yeah. I have I have found in my journey with Jesus and through life that a big part of God's power in my life is getting rid of lies that I've believed, right, or that others would impose on me. You know, right. Uh, I I you know last year as you know I I almost died and. Uh, Right. And and I'm yep. laying in the hospital. And it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It was, it was kind of tragic because um, I overheard them one day discussing what nursing home they were going to put me in. <laughs> 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 and I, and I'm, I'm oh, laying man. there in bed trying oh, to get, well, and, I, and they're discussing it. And they're oh. discussing the, how expensive it was, and which one wow. I would go to, and how the food was, and 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 oh, I was boy. so tired, I I couldn't really enter the discussion. But you know, <laughs> the, it, it's funny what goes through your mind about that point. I mean, the, the, one of the first things you yeah. think is, "Well, I wish I'd treated them a lot nicer than <laughs> I was yeah. going to get down to this." But wow. Uh, you know, I I soon realized now that you know that's a that's a lie. I'm gonna 
I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get well. That's the truth. And so the antidote there a lot of times is, is uh, I think one of the first things the Holy Spirit starts doing in our lives is he starts routing out and, and, and uh, obliterating. And I think, you know, the Bible talks about disarming principalities and powers. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he disarms lies in our life. Talk about that a little bit. Did you run into that when you, uh, when you came to Christ, uh, you found out that you actually had been incarcerated by lies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for me, the big turnaround for me was um, actually when I got baptized, it, it was, I, I went into the water a mess and came up with a, this revelation in my head. And what it was, it was very simple but very profound. And it was simply that God knew me and had accepted me as one of his own. Mm. That changed everything. Mm -hmm. So, and then from that point on, uh, uh, just this from my own experience, from that point on, the next step for me was I couldn't wait to get hold of a Bible and Mm. start reading it. And I think the, the the chief, how can I say, the most effective way of disarming the lies and, and, and giving room for the Holy Spirit, giving him something to work with to rout out, as I use your expression, to rout out those lies, is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And starting to see, because in the Word of God, it says what God thinks about us. Mm. So it's what he thinks, and I'm going to connect this into worship in a second, is what he thinks about us is what overcomes the lies. Beautiful. It's true. And, and so worship, the whole thing about worship is that it's really not for, even though we sing unto God, mm-hmm. you know, we proclaim him and all that, it's not for him. Right. He don't need it. He don't right. need it. He's very complete in who he is. He doesn't have, an, he doesn't have one iota of an identity crisis. Worship right. was established, it's his gift to us so that our minds can be changed. Worship is transformational in its essence. Yeah. And what, when you study the early church and what they were singing about, and even in the Old Testament, it's all about, in fact, you go all the way back to Exodus 15, which is when the first worship song was written mm-hmm. and established. It's all about two things, who, he, who God is, and what he has done. Two things. Let's say again, who, who he is. Who he is. And what he's done. And what the song he's of Moses. Done. Yeah, the song of Moses. That's so that's yeah, what we do. We, we recall yeah. who he is. That's it. And what he has done. That, that's powerful. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. Caleb, thank you for your time today. And as My usual, pleasure. you had some hot stuff to say, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and we keep praying for the, the movie. As it comes out, the movie keep informing us. Out. Our listeners are yep. really interested. Some yep, of my friends yep. keep it's, asking me, how's Caleb really movie coming? So, yeah. It's coming on strong now. Okay. Yeah, Thanks, Caleb. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure. we have been listening to the acclaimed greatest guitar player in the world, Caleb Quay. Thanks, Caleb. God bless my you, pleasure. man. Bye-bye. Bless you, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, that was Caleb Quay. 
a remarkable musician and worship leader, was for years the worship leader at Jack Hafer's church, Church on the Way, and numerous other places. He's done a lot of events with me in the past, uh, outreach events. Uh, if you would like to support, let's say, the Murin Group, the show, because we're, we're getting geared up to do evangelism training and some live radio events in some churches. And we do this on such a perfect budget. I mean, we are like uh, really careful with money, but we do need people to help us cover the airtime and help us, you know, sometimes cover the expenses of people who can't always afford our events. So if you would like to be part of helping advance evangelism, because that's all we're about, we feel there needs to be a restoration of evangelism, and we've invested greatly, and we invite you to invest. And what we have for those of you who would like to invest in giving in uh, the radio show and our outreach events, we are able to give you a great Bible put out by a group called LifeNet. It's a, it's a great study Bible. For any size gift, we'll make sure you get this, and you'll love it. This group is located in uh, in the Bellingham area and some friends. And, and so uh, if you present any gift, all you have to do is you can do several things. One, uh, if you want to be part of, you know, pushing this thing financially and helping us, you can go to either our website, which is DougMurinRadio.com, and you just go to the uh contribution section and it will guide you how you can give through our paypal or through mail and if you were to mail us a gift you could send it to 1806 fifth street wenatchee washington w-n-a-t-c-h-e-e washington 98801 and i i tried to get a harder name to spell to send the gifts to but i couldn't find one but it's wenatchee washington Either of those two places, and we will get the funds, and we put them to work making sure the show keeps going out. We've been having invitations to come to other stations, but we're committed to Krista, and uh, so you can help us do that. Uh, Again, we'll be happy to send the Bible out to you once we receive your gift and a notification from you. And thank you for listening, and thank you for spreading the word. Uh, because we continue, we we're going to continue going down this route of talking about how people can receive Christ. And if you're listening today and you've never received Jesus, feel free to contact me at doug.muran at gmail, and I would be happy to help shepherd you through your first steps with Jesus. Doug.muran at gmail. God bless you. Have a great week. Caught on tape with Doug Muran is a listener and friend supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, caught on tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Or online at DougMurinRadio.com.